0: This podcast is an invitation to feel and experience the souls of famous old Hollywood homes and to have an in-depth journey to the areas where they're located through interviews with longtime residents. Either you're a fan of old Hollywood in Los Angeles, planning to have a vacation, or an even bigger step, considering a certain area for your future home. This is your opportunity to receive valuable information and insightful advice you won't find anywhere else.
1: And welcome to my podcast. Are you in the mood for California? Today, we'll explore and feel Marin County, followed by an interview with legendary Ken Cook, who will share with us what Marin County is all about.
2: I'm sitting in my home office now. I'm looking out at a beautiful forested Mount Tam, which you see from San Francisco on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge. It's mostly forested, mostly open space. Fifty percent of the land in this county, even though it's right up against San Francisco, Maria, right it's right where it's the county you end up in when you cross the golden gate bridge from san francisco but it is it was protected because decades ago some enlightened people who lived here in the 50s and 60s and 70s and ever since they decided you know we we don't want to we don't want to build out marin county from top to bottom. Let's save as much open space as we can. And the most magical thing about Marin County is that that is the case.
0: Masha Korpacheva is a California-based realtor and a member of the National Association of Realtors in Los Angeles. She's an advocate for selling and buying homes with soul and practicing mindfulness in real estate. With master's degrees in spiritual psychology and linguistics, Masha brings all of her skills to work with her clients. An intuit and empath, she has touched many lives with her outstanding ability to see beyond the visible and helping to come to better understanding of issues and their resolutions an adventurous world traveler. From climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania to exploring the Galapagos Islands, Masha has a particular passion for the City of Angels. Having landed in this paradise and adopted it as her home, she's been sharing old Hollywood stories since 2007. In the mood for California, feel the soul of old Hollywood.
1: And now, are you ready to feel the soul of Marin County? Today, we are stepping into a land of enchantment known as Marin County. History has it that long before the arrival of European settlers, this breathtaking landscape was inhabited by the Coast Miwok people, who thrived in harmony with nature's abundance they would wander through lush forests, traverse meandering streams, and gaze upon the majestic Mount Tamalpais, which watched over the land like a silent guardian. In the 16th century, the wind of change blew across the vast Pacific, carrying with them Spanish explorers led by Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo. These intrepid sailors, ventured to Marin County's shores, claiming the land in the name of Spain. The Spanish influence permeated the region, leaving a lasting mark on its culture and architecture. In February 1850, Marin County found itself on the cusp of a new era. California had recently become the 31st state of the United States and the region was poised for transformation. It was then that the name Marine became associated with the county as it was officially created, being one of the original 27 counties of California. The county was named after Chief Marine, whose Native American name was Hwick Moose, an 18th-century leader of the Lycatiate, a branch, Of the Coast Miwok. Several months later, on September 16, 1850, Marine County underwent further subdivision to enhance governance and local administration. The county was divided into four townships, each with its own unique character and potential for growth. The townships established were Sausalito, Bolinas, San Rafael, and Novato, each playing a crucial role in shaping the county's identity and development. At the same time, the gold rush had unleashed a frenzy of prospectors, lured by the promise of wealth hidden within the rocky California landscape. Marin County, with its rich natural resources and proximity to San Francisco, experienced a surge in population and economic activity. The town of San Rafael, established in 1817 as a Spanish mission, grew rapidly as gold seekers flooded into the area. San Rafael became a bustling hub providing supplies, services, and a sense of community to those venturing into the gold fields. As the gold rush fever subsided, The scene of Marin County shifted from one of transient fortune-seekers to a more settled community. Agriculture flourished, with farmers cultivating the fertile land to grow crops and rear livestock. Dairy farming became particularly prominent, and the county gained a reputation for its high-quality dairy products. Marin County's stunning natural beauty also began to draw the attention of artists and writers seeking inspiration. The rugged coastlines, rolling hills, and towering redwoods became a muse for painters, poets, and novelists. The region became known as a haven for the arts, attracting creative souls who sought solace and inspiration in its serene surroundings. In the early 20th century, a visionary named William Kent emerged as a steward of the land. Recognizing the need to protect the region's pristine landscapes, Kent spearheaded the creation of the Muir Woods National Monument, ensuring the preservation of ancient redwood forests for generations to come. His noble efforts paved the way for future conservationists sparking a legacy of environmental activism that would define marine county and then we encounter the architectural jewel of marine county resembling a colossal spaceship that has freshly touched down which captivates the hearts and minds of all who lay their eyes upon it the marine county civic center designed by renowned architect frank lloyd wright It is a true marvel of the 20th century architecture, a masterpiece of modernist design. Completed in 1962, it showcases Wright's signature organic style, seamlessly blending the structure with its natural surroundings, even though it has a distinctively futuristic appearance. The building's long, low-slung profile featuring sleek curves and clean lines, exudes a sense of timelessness. The prominent copper dome crowning the structure serves as a striking focal point. In essence, the Marine County Civic Center stands not only as a remarkable historic property, but also as a symbol of the region's forward-thinking spirit. It encapsulates the convergence of artistic vision natural beauty, and community values. The building hosts various events, including art exhibits, farmers' markets, and cultural festivals, fostering a sense of unity and celebration among Marin County's residents. As visitors wander through its halls, gaze upon its grandeur, and absorb its rich history, they are transported on a captivating journey that celebrates the intersection of innovation, creativity, and the enduring spirit of the region. Today, Marin County stands as a testament to the harmonious coexistence of nature and humanity. Its rolling hills, scenic coastal vistas, and vibrant communities beckon visitors from far and wide, offering a respite From the fast paced world beyond its borders. Now, let's take a moment to breathe in the crisp air. Listen to the whispers of the redwoods and let the spirit of Marine County's history wash over you. For within its tales lie the threads that connect past, present, and future, weaving a tapestry of beauty resilience, and the enduring spirit of a place known as Marine. And here we are. Welcome to Marine County. I'm beyond thrilled to have legendary Ken Cook here with me. Ken Cook, president and co-founder of Environmental Working Group, is widely recognized as one of the environmental community's most prominent and influential critics of industrial agriculture, U.S. food and farm policy, and the nation's broken approach to protecting families and children from toxic substances. Under Cook's leadership over the past 20 years, EWG has pioneered the use of digital technologies To expose the harms done by misconceived crop subsidies, crop insurance, and runaway agricultural pollution. The organization has also empowered American families with easy to use, data driven tools to help reduce their exposure to potentially harmful ingredients in foods, drinking water, cosmetics, and other household products. This unique digital resources are searched hundreds of millions of times by consumers, journalists, and policy makers. Hook is a widely sought public speaker on this and other environmental health issues and is frequently cited for the outsized impact that his and EWG's work has had on policy debates in Washington and state and local governments across the country. Cook has addressed food, agriculture, and toxics policy in countless media interviews, including with 60 Minutes, CBS Evening News, NBC Nightly News, The Today Show, MSNBC, CNBC, Fox Business News, CNN's Anderson Cooper 360, The New York Times, The Washington Post, The Associated Press, Reuters, The Los Angeles Times, and The San Francisco Chronicle. He testifies regularly before House and Senate committees, and for the past 20 years has briefed top White House officials and every U.S. Secretary of Agriculture and EPA Administrator on EWG's research and policy positions. He has been recognized with multiple awards from health and environmental organizations, including Mount Sinai Hospitals Children's Environmental Health Center, the U.S. Healthful Food Council and Epidemic Answers. Cook is a board member and founding chairman of Food Policy Action, Organic Voices, Amazon Conservation Team, Marine County Bicycle Coalition, and a former member of the board of the Organic Center. He earned a BA in History, B.S. in Agriculture, and M.S. in Soil Science at the University of Missouri-Columbia. He is married to Deb Callahan and lives in Northern California with their young son, Callahan. Please check out the website of Environmental Working Group at www.ewg.org and follow them on Instagram at environmentalworkinggroup. Ken will share with us what it feels like to live in Marine County and how it influenced his perspective on environmental health and advocacy. Hello, Ken.
2: Hello. How are you, Maria?
1: I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well.
2: I'm well. Great to be on your podcast. Oh,
1: Thank you. Well, it's such an honor for me to have you on my podcast. And I was really, really looking forward to speaking to you about so many things. And I'm just beyond excited. Well, likewise, I'm
2: thrilled to be here. It's a privilege. Thank you for asking me.
1: Thank you, Ken. So my first question uh, to you will be about Marine County, where you live. And I would like to find out um, how you would describe it to someone who has never been there what, what has been your personal experience of living in Marine County? Oh
2: I just I just can't tell you enough about how much we love living here Maria. We moved here 12 years ago this, this next month Mom. and uh, I you know I, I'm, I'm sitting in my home office now I'm looking out at a beautiful forested Mount Tam which you see from San Francisco Francisco on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge it's mostly forested mostly open space 50% of the land in this county even though it's right up against San Francisco Maria, right it's right it's the county you end up in when you cross the Golden Gate Bridge mm-hmm. from San Francisco but it is it was protected because decades ago some enlightened people who lived here in the 50s and 60s and 70s and ever since they decided, you know we we don't want to we don't want to build out Marin County from top to bottom. Let's save as much open space as we can. And the most magical thing about Marin County is that that is the case. And I'll tell you two quick stories. One, I can get on my mountain bike, ride out my driveway. About hundred and fifty feet on a paved road, and then I'm on fire roads, gravel roads, and mountain bike trails, and I can ride thirty miles to the coast and cross only one other wow. road that's paved. That's how protected it. Is. It's like some Western states, Maria. If you if if you get my drift, where the federal government owns mm-hmm. most of the land in those places, it's just you know wide open. Well, here it's not one entity. There are national parks here, state parks, and there's protected space for our, our water system, our watershed, but mostly it's um, it's just the the scale of the ambition to keep Marin green. And then the other story to tell you is when I was here for, after I'd been here for about a year, my two neighbors who are just uh, uh, men who are just a, a little bit younger than I am, but they have lived right here in Marin and nearby for most of their lives, all of their lives, really. And so we're, the three of us were standing out one day, looking out. It was kind of a kind of a gray day, nothing you would write home about necessarily from a weather standpoint, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And I said, okay, when you wake up in the morning, you who have been waking up in the morning here for 50 plus years, and you look out, do you ever take it for granted? And they both said, not one day. Every day, just like you do, Ken, you've only been here a year, you wake up, you walk out, and you think, I can't believe I'm living here. It is so incredibly beautiful. So when my son first came here, he was just about to turn three, and he'd wake up in the morning, and he'd come down, and he'd say, Dada, let's go outside and look at California. and we still we still do it now we go out and we look at Mount Tam and we look up to the other side to Loma Alta uh just unbelievable so it's a privilege to live here it feels a little bit like parts of Italy I think the settle, you know where the, the some of the hilltops are kind of settled but all around it's yes. uh, it's just um, it's just remarkable so i i love it i invite anyone who wants to come and to come and visit you will be glad you did
1: wow so it's like anyone who wants to come and look at california needs to come to marine county <laughs> that's
2: right that's right Come outside and look at California with me.
1: Wow. Well, it does it does sound like you live in a national park.
2: It feels that way. It absolutely does.
1: Yeah, the way you just described it, it is absolutely special and so close to San Francisco. And just because, you know, certain people who lived there, uh, as you mentioned, in the 50s, 60s and 70s decided not to build it out, but protect it. That's why it feels like a national park.
2: Yes, they had... Have- that's right that they had that vision it's a little bit like it's it's the difference between driving up and down the California coast you know north of La and so forth where it's where, where you don't see a lot of development you just you get to enjoy the the beauty of the coast and then above you the the mountains are they're not all developed going way up right that's the coastal commission's work someone decided that they were going to protect Protect what they love. And compare that to the situation. I'm, you know, I don't want to in any way criticize, you know, Florida. I know people are very loyal to it. And I've had a lot of wonderful experiences in Florida. But the difference between how the land and the environment was managed there and here in California is literally night and day. Mm-hmm. So much more is protected here. And these visionaries, Maria, that that saw. The importance of setting aside land, taking agricultural land and putting it under protected easements, establishing state parks, expanding national parks, protecting the watershed areas so that we had clean water without having to have it flow through homes and so forth in the hills. All of those decisions that they made, there were opponents at every step of the way who wanted to develop it. And I'm not anti-development, don't get me wrong, but there are places where we should really just be more thoughtful about it. I feel like they are more thoughtful in Europe, for example, but But here it has that sensibility of, hey, you know, we're not anti-people. We're not trying to stop development. We want people to have homes to live in. We're We're just trying to strike a balance before we pave the whole damn thing over.
1: Right, right. And, you know, I do see um, a lot of similarities uh, between you and the work that you do and those um, visionaries uh, who protected uh, this place where you live now. Yeah, I see a very strong connection. And I don't even have to ask you why you chose Marin County as your home base. It's very clear.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will tell you the brief story. My wife was working uh, for a think tank in Washington, D.C., the Heinz Center, Teresa Hines and uh, and her, her first husband, John Hines, who was tragically killed. She established it. It was an environmental think tank. And Deb, my wife, is a she's the real accomplished environmentalist in the family, if you ask me. But she got to a point where we had a little boy, he was two at that point, and she got to thinking, maybe I want to bring him up in a little different environment than California. So she went online found a job here in Marin County at the Point Reyes National Seashore Association. And she came in and she said, how would you feel about moving to California from Washington, D.C.? Oh. And uh, with a with about, a you know, 50 percent or more pay cut. And uh, <laughs> and I said, well, let's get going. Let's let let's uh, let's not waste any time. And my organization, my the, the board of my organization was uh, thoughtful enough to recognize I could still do my work from out here. Uh, even though the organization was mostly based in, in Washington DC. So we, we made the leap and it was, you know, it's not hard. Well, you're in, you're in the business. You know how hard it can be for people to take up their roots and move. Right. Of course. Um, So, so, and, and it doesn't get any easier later in life.
1: Yes. It Am gets right? harder and harder.
2: <laughs> so, so it, it gets harder and harder. And so, you know, I was in my, I was in my late fifties, early sixties. And, um, uh, but, you know, it just felt like the right thing to do for our son. And we had been out to California many, many times, of course, and in Marin and it was, it was an easy easy decision to try and bring more of a balance. And you know what it does? And, and this was predicted by the, the the man who was the board chair of EWG, my organization, Environmental Working Group at the time, Drummond Pike. He, lived, he was born and raised here in Marin, still lives here. And what he said was really thoughtful. He said, Ken, you've been making your way in Washington, D.C., lobbying, doing policy work, hobnobbing, and so forth for a long time. I think what you'll find out is when you move to California, it'll open up entirely new vistas for leadership, ideas, imagination about what environmentalism could be. It's a different feeling in California. In Washington, it's always, how do I deal with the constraints, the limitations, the opposition to move ideas forward? And it takes a real skill set and a a mindset to live in that world that I did for decades. And I, I have Colleagues back there who still do and do it beautifully. And it's a wonderful place to live. But what he said was no, you you know, for for the leader of an organization, this could be a real opportunity to expand the notion of what EWG should be doing. And it expanded our work much more into, uh, you know, personal health, protecting people from toxic chemicals in their day to day lives, helping people explore ways to stay healthy by uh, how they. Uh, the habits they formed, whether it was what they ate or what they put on their bodies, how they cleaned their homes, the kind of products they brought into their homes. All of that was much more, much more impressive to me as a, a, you know, a fact of life, a force of life out here than it was living in D.C. And I'm not blaming D.C. I'm blaming the interaction of uh, a human being, myself and my environment. When it came out here, it just it opened things up, Maria. Yes. It opened things up. I, did, did you have that experience when you, you moved to California?
1: Um, you know what? I had it in a different way because in my case, it was in immigration. So I changed countries. <laughs> but yeah, so it was a, it's a whole other story, you know, and it's more detailed. And it's probably for another uh, podcast. <laughs> another podcast.
2: Let's, uh, I'm ready for but it. In
1: your case, you know, I saw very clearly... How historically people, you know, would come, um, well, people would first come from Europe and they would explore, um, you know, the East. But then people who have already settled in the East and time would pass and moving from the East to the West to explore the Western frontier that gives you this kind of an uninhibited, in a way, um, breath of fresh air. When you are not in a stagnant, uh, kind of like more controlled and more regulated environment anymore, but where you can breathe more freely, and therefore, it's almost like a field trip, you know, to everything that you did before in Washington, D.C., and preparing for this work that you're doing here in California now.
2: That's
1: right. And it just like it just, you know, gave you this space to spread you know, your uh, wings and to fly. That's right. Yeah,
2: that's right. And and who knew at that advanced age that I could have my imagination rekindled, but you know, we all can, can't we?
1: Yes. Yes. And so my next question comes to you. How has actually living in Marin County influenced your perspective on environmental health and advocacy? And maybe there are certain specific aspects of the community or natural surroundings that have shaped your dedication to this cause. Absolutely
2: right. I mean, this is, um, in a sense, I'm I'm living in quite a bubble here in Marin County. Um, there's just a, a very high level of concern about the environment, as we've discussed. When you set aside half of the land and rule out building on it, that tells you a lot about environmental commitment in that dimension. But there's another dimension, which is health and wellness. I knew that was going to be the case, but I was really kind of bowled over by the degree to which people here care about the way in which the environment affects their health. They're concerned about the food they eat. Uh, They're very concerned about the environment of their home. Super concerned also on uh, on top of all that uh, uh, about um, anything that would compromise air quality or drinking water or what have you. It's just it's really intense here. And uh, I felt right at home. I almost have to remind myself that this is not the way the rest of the country, or maybe even the rest of California, thinks. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to err too far on the side of, in that direction um, and think that this is going to be universally accepted or embraced. But but it really, it really was the, the depth of the commitment and running into so many people who actually knew about my organization when i came here um you know at grocery stores and at meetings it's it's you know my son's schools people recognize oh you're you're with EWG you're the one where i go and find out what sunscreens are safe or what fruits and vegetables have the lowest pesticides so if i can't find organic i can shop for mm-hmm. the clean 15 uh, they knew all oh. of the lingo so it really felt like a homecoming
1: yes so surrounded uh, by supporters, everybody who already knew your company right. and your cause, and who were right there, ready to support you. Wow!
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And then, and then, lots of reinforcement for the you know the other aspect of life that it's it's harder to embrace in you know in a big city like Washington D.C., which is how important it is to get outdoors, to get outside, take a walk. Take a bike ride, take a hike, whatever it might be. Play a little basketball. Uh, you know, just the whole nature of Marin County, the 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 nature of being in nature as a, an essential part of the experience. The weather, of course, we're Californian, so we're mostly lucky in that way, right? We can be outside most of most of the year, and so all of that, I think, really contributed to my sense that, well, you know, I'm. I'm gonna I'm gonna live a different life here. I'm gonna be outdoors a lot more than I was able to to be in in Washington, DC, um, much as I love that city. Yes,
1: yes, for sure. And what would you say are the habits or practices that are related to environmental health that you found find most important for individuals to adopt?
2: Well, I, I that's that's summarized as follows. First of all, it matters. You want to avoid some of these chemical exposures, some of these toxic substances. I have whole lectures on why this is important, but I'll leave it I'll leave it at this. If you look at any of the major health organizations that represent medical professionals, whether it's the Thoracic Society representing, you know, the lungs and the heart, whether it's the American Cancer Society, the Academy of Pediatrics, uh, the the endocrine society the people you go to if you have an issue with your hormones association after association scientific body by scientific body over the past 10 years sometimes a little longer but especially these past 10 years they have all said you know what these toxic exposures are contributing to poor health and you should avoid them in so many words they say that all of them Maria so for, the first point I say to people is look you're not crazy for being worried about some pesticides in your food or some toxic uh, substance that's gotten into your personal care products or uh, something that you might be exposed to in your tap water. Find a, a source you trust on those issues and and learn. And we like to think EWG is a place for, for doing that. Uh, we we have a staff of, uh, you know, two dozen scientists we have uh, database programmers we've we've been at this for 30 years and a big part of what we try and do is help people take reasonable everyday steps to just take the toxics out of their lives so that's the mo- first thing the second thing is then start one area at a time it could be starting in your makeup kit or your medicine cabinet with your personal care products go to our in-deep website our cosmetics database online and look at those products. Um, When you do that, you'll see that no surprise when you have a, a sector of consumer products that is largely unregulated with respect to what ingredients can be put in. There are going to be some companies that put ingredients in or some traditions in the use of ingredients that we now know from a scientific perspective are not as healthy as they could be. So you can start substituting out, use the ones you have, but over time experiment using our website with different products that are safer are healthier by our by our way same with food then pick then spend some time but don't punish yourself for not being perfect <laughs> don't punish yourself for not being fully organic all the time take it step by step give yourself some wins right give yourself some victories and over time you can eliminate tens of thousands of what we call exposure events you know, the consumption or exposure, whether it's on your skin, something you breathe, as you cleaned your sink with it, something that you uh, ate, you can begin over time to, without having to move to a a mountain meadow and live in a yurt, you can live a very uh, normal, modern life while eliminating many, many thousands of these exposure events a year. And that's what these scientists to circle back are basically saying, look, we're we're exposed to a whole complex of chemicals. We all have hundreds of toxic chemicals in our bodies right now because we've done biomonitoring. We've tested people's blood Mm -hmm. and we have found it, Maria. We've found it in umbilical cord blood. So we know these complex mixtures are there. We want to tell people, look, you can start eliminating those from your body. They'll gradually disappear. So any health risk that might be associated with them, whether it might be ADHD or cancer or some other effect, Parkinson's, to the extent that they may be linked to these toxic exposures, you can reduce the risk. While still eating great food, having your skin feel and look great, um, have perfectly nice products in your home and be able to clean your home with safe products, you can do all of that without the toxics. That's our
1: message. Yes. Yeah, so you are raising awareness and uh, help people to make more educated choices with your website and with everything that you, with all the research that you do. And um, what I heard as well from the way you were describing it, that you know, if a person decides to start making more um, educated and more environmentally conscious choices, then they can be overwhelmed. So making it a step at a time is a very important thing. And and another thing I heard that you didn't mention, but it kind of like um, emerged in my um, brain is that, you know, humans are very prone to self-destruction in a weird way. But if we actually focus on (laughs) self-love, You know, like the way you said, you know, do not really blame yourself if you're not eating like fully organic, you know, don't put like too much um, guilt on yourself, you know, but actually, self love and appreciation of who you are and caring for yourself and therefore teaching yourself also to make these educated um, choices with the help of your research is probably the best thing to you know, become a healthier person.
2: That's, yeah, well, you've taken away the essential lessons. Um, I, I have to admit, and my wife would tell you, I am extremely hard on myself. So I'm talking a good game here that I don't always play. But I am trying because I do firmly believe that giving yourself a bit of a break, uh, staying staying focused, but not in a punished, self-punishing mode I see how much better she adapts to change yeah. than I do, because she she's much better at that. But that is the idea, and and as we give advice to people, we try not to be wagging our fingers. We try not to be lecturing them. We try not to be saying because we can't say, hey, if you if you want to get cancer, eat this, and if you don't want cancer, eat that. We we don't we don't have uh, the scientific evidence to make. Uh, straightforward statements like that, all we can say is these exposures have been linked to these problems. And here's a here's a pathway to reduce those exposures or eliminate them altogether. And it, it doesn't have to be uh, a rocky, uh, torturous climb, this pathway. It can be pretty straightforward. And we try and make it that way for people with plausible choices they can make in everyday life that
1: Right, right. I can see that uh, very, very clearly. What a great and honorable mission that you're on. This is absolutely wonderful. Well, thank you.
2: It's a privilege to be on it, I have to say, a privilege.
1: Yes, and thank you for uh, doing all this work uh, together with the Environmental Working Group, and uh, I really hope that many more people will continue uh, to pay their attention to what they put inside, you know, to what surrounds them and continue to making more educated choices and continue to accept themselves more and love themselves more. Because I think if a person is gentle with themselves, they cannot be not gentle with the environment.
2: I think you're right. Well said, Maria. I think we might be (laughs) <laughs> taking some of those thoughts and, and 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 repurposing them at EWG. You said it so eloquently. Thank
1: you. Well, you, you inspired me. You inspired me. You're an incredible human being and such a great visionary. And uh, you obviously work a lot. And uh, your mission encompasses the whole world and humanity. But I know that at the end of the day, you come to the safe haven of your home. And your wife, uh, wonderful and gentle wife, it's beautiful the way you described her. So how would you describe the significance of your home? And what would you say is the heart of your home? You
2: know, I would say the heart of it is, and I, I know Deb would say this too, the heart of it is our son, our young man who's 14 to be 15 on
1: mm. uh, on Saturday.
2: Yeah, so um, the heart of it, is seeing him grow and uh, make his way in the world, with all of the all of the joy and all of the worry, the anguish that goes with it. Um, watching someone, you know, try and find their place in this crazy society that we live in. That's really the heart of it, and and where we spend our time together is in you know in the kitchen, the family room, and out on our deck. And uh, and then speaking of Marin, uh, we just went on a fabulous mountain bike ride, the three of us, just the other day. And those are the touchstones for for me, Maria. But in the home, it's 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 his energy when he's when he's not around. He's not back from school yet today. It's what's keeping this home uh, humming right now is the 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 knowledge that he'll be coming home soon. I just have to say that the that he fills it up. And um that's, you know, maybe because, you know, we became parents a little later in life. Um, not to romanticize it too much, but I, I do think I'm much more attuned to the that vibration of my son, um, whether he's physically present or not, than I would maybe have been as a younger father. And so that's maybe that's a surprising answer, but it's uh, you know, it's it's who the home is filled with, and for us, it's, um, yes. it's it's our son. And our two dogs, of course. I can't leave them out because one of them Aww, might start growing well, up.
1: It is beautiful, and uh, truly, uh, the way you just described it is um, very obvious that uh, your son is also your inspiration. I can see how he is the driving force behind your mission you know maybe you started it before he was even born but just with this phrase that you know he used to say when he was younger um you know let's look at uh come look at california you know you are preserving all of this and you are promoting um the self-awareness um, about environment and human health for your son in a way is a metaphor
2: yeah yeah, no question about it. And um, it, you know, uh I I I never uh want to suggest, not even for one instant, because because for many years I was in this position that you there there's something about life you can't fully understand or appreciate if you don't have children. I don't think that's the case. But there is a a, a type of enrichment that comes with you know helping raise a child or raising a child being near children that renews you constantly it renews good things and bad things right it renews hope it renews worry uh, it it re- it renews positivity it worry you know it renews um anxiety mm-hmm. all of those things it's a constant churn and when cal came along uh, the work we did to keep chemicals away from children which was the founding principle of the organization kids aren't just little adults. They deserve an extra measure of protection because they're growing so quickly. Their small bodies, a given dose, a given amount of water or food, if there's something wrong with it, can affect them much more impactfully. So it was all there theoretically, but but I appreciated it anew when he came along and I've met plenty of people who who don't have kids who are just as sincerely and deeply engrossed with these same questions so it's not it's not that um it, it's not a requirement but it does add at least it did for me that uh, that special special resonance that uh, makes it real for me day in and day out that that we are we imbibe our environment, we metabolize it, uh, we we bring it into our bodies and into our, our healthfulness in yes. profound ways. And you you really see it when you see a child growing up.
1: Ken, thank you so much for this conversation. It has been absolutely wonderful. And uh thank you for taking the time and thank you for inspiring all of us uh you know to Join your vision because one day, you know, maybe a long, long time from now, some people will come and say, "Come look at humans," you know, because maybe we'll end up being preserved.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's hope that um, enough people follow along or find their way separately along the same path that EWG is on. And I'll put in a plug: go to ewg.org if you want to learn about the kind of work we're doing. But it would be nice if at some point we were put out of business, if we didn't have to tell people what products are safe because they all are. We didn't have to tell people what water. You don't have to worry about it because you don't have to worry about any of it coming out of a tap anywhere. That would be great. But until that time, we're we're very proud, we're privileged, honored to do this work. And I was tickled to visit with you today, Maria. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Ken. It was a wonderful conversation and very inspiring and deeply, deeply honored. And thank you for everything that you do.
2: You are most welcome.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for tuning in to experience and explore Marine County with my special guest, and cook. If you enjoy my podcast In the Mood for California, please sign up for future episodes at your preferred platform and please leave your feedback. I really appreciate your time and support. You can follow me on Instagram at In the Mood for California and check out my website www.inthemoodforcalifornia.com. Selling and buying homes with soul is not just my real estate strategy. It is an intuitive and holistic approach that embraces your values, aspirations, and conscious intentions. If you want to discover the power of mindfulness in your real estate journey with my compassionate guidance, I'm here for you. Next time, our journey will take us to Boyle Heights. Can't wait to see you there.
0: In the mood for California, feel the soul of old Hollywood.